Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Brainiac Podcast. I'm Melissa Biscardi and I am this season's host. I'm a registered nurse, manual osteopath, and concussion clinician in Toronto, and I'm a research trainee at the University of Toronto. And I'm super, super, super excited to be joined today by Dr. Jen Blanchett. But before I introduce um, this wonderful guest, I'm just going to give a shout out to the podcast sponsor, and that is Head Check Health. And Head Check Health bridges the gap in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. And Head Check Health is joined by organizations such as the CFL, Trek Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada, who all rely on Head Check to improve communication and optimize care. So feel free to visit headcheckhealth.com for more information on them. But before you do that, make sure to listen to the rest of this episode. So as I said, I'm joined by Dr. Jen Blanchett, and I believe we met maybe, well, through the online world, maybe two or so years ago. And definitely one of the benefits of the internet is meeting um, amazing colleagues. So Jen is across the border in Maine in the USA. And she is a psychologist and a podcaster. She has a great podcast called the TBI Therapist Podcast. Um, She lives in Maine with her boys, her husband and her dog. And we'll dig into more about her uh, clinical practice. But one amazing quote that comes from her that I want to dig into a little later is trauma recovery is realizing in your body that the event is over. So without further ado, welcome Jen to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to have this conversation. My pleasure. Is there anything you want to add to that little bio blurb? Yeah. I mean, that was a great bio blurb. (laughs) I'm in Maine. I think you hit the highlights. So I think that was pretty good. I'm a tennis player. Oh yes. That's right. (laughs) For all the headway discussion made me think of like my own athletic pursuits and I'm an amateur tennis player, but I played my whole life. I played in high school. And so I was a high school athlete 
And so I do identify a lot with other athletes that I've worked with. So I think that is part of that. We can add that in. Absolutely. Do you still play like for fun? Oh yeah. Oh, oh amazing. Mm -hmm. And so tell me a little bit about your journey, how you ended up um, here, essentially really focusing on TBI, developing your podcast. Yeah. So I think it's serendipity brought me to working with this population. I, you know, in training, I kind of had a variety of different things that I did with testing and therapy and things like that. And I came to Maine and really I was at a crossroads where I needed a postdoctoral placement and I cold called a local neuro rehab program. And I was just really hoping for the best because I needed a placement. And I didn't anticipate how much that I would really fall in love with the population and just the pain that the people go through. I found it very unique. So, and I, I found it unique. And also, why did I learn about this in my training? Cause I had already had my doctoral degree at that point in the journey educationally. And so I kind of was asking myself, why aren't other clinicians trained like this training is training me. So in neuropsychology, as well, in just understanding emotionally how folks are getting through traumatic brain injuries and acquired brain injuries. I think you raise um, a really important point and how much there isn't, even today, there's not a lot of training around um, a brain injury, mm -hmm. whether it be concussion or more severe brain injuries in the basic educational system. Like often clinicians have to go out on their own or have their postdoctoral training right. in, um, right. And to I would become. say even taking that a step further. So doing a postdoc in neuropsychology and then I, I'm not, so I don't have a, um, I'm not a neuropsychologist, but I trained in a neuropsychological program. So I kind of say I'm kind of like neuropsych light because I trained in a neuropsychologist. <laughs> yes. But I didn't go into that work, right? But I didn't really get concussion trained until I went to a local concussion training and had that specific training. So even working right. with folks who had concussion didn't really have that specificity of knowledge to how to treat that particular problem. So I think even if you were kind of in the world of brain injury, you may not have specific concussion training. Right. So it's just, it's just important to keep learning, I think, as the clinician. Absolutely. For anybody. So if you're a survivor listening to this, I'd say, you know, you can continue to learn. There's so much free information out there right now. Absolutely. And so when people come into your um, practice, actually, sorry, my first question is, how have you seen things change in your practice with respect to concussion or TBI over um, the last number of years, because even how we think about concussion has changed so much, right? From stay in a dark room to now it's much more active and purposeful rehab. So mm -hmm. how has your practice evolved and what does it look like now? Yeah. So I think it's evolved in a number of ways. So I've gotten more training certainly in concussion. And so I think that's definitely informed how I want to approach people that come to me. Typically an outpatient now, because I'm not working in the neuro rehab setting, I have people come to me a lot later for general psychotherapy and it's not really a service I offer anymore, but I, so I'm going in the past. You know, if I'm going like general psychotherapy, what I used to do, they'd see me way after. Mm -hmm. And there was so much more work to do because maybe they'd been months or years yes. post concussion or post TBI and they might've had treatment. They might've gone to a neuro rehab center or had some, 
you know, it would be great. It's great if I, they came to me and had some speech, some OT, some, some broad based kind of neuro rehab, but a lot of times they didn't. And it was more about, is this real? It, do I, am I really right. suffering with concussion symptoms this long? Because everyone's telling me it can't be true. So it was more about validating a little bit like, yes, I believe you. And we need to get you some special help now. So that, that was kind of crazy for me to kind of look at someone who just feels totally invalidated, like their life has completely changed because of their symptoms. If they've been dealing with them for a very long time, their relationships might be impacted on that. So it's really trying to help them feel validated and supported that we can still get you better today. We can still work on this. You can have a different level of functioning that you're having currently. So how yeah. do you, uh, this is a big question and maybe there isn't, maybe there isn't an answer, but how do we tease out the PTSD, the trauma from the injury? Um, because they can look so similar right? or can we not? And you just work in collaboration to get the, the body healthy again. Yeah, I, I think it's both and as in many <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> there's both and where certainly there's some concussion. So I'll say certainly there's some con- concussion and brain injury symptoms that we don't see with PTSD. So the sensory stuff, okay. and I'm, you know, you, you'll see a, maybe a mild version of that in PTSD, but you won't see it as much kind of vestibular symptoms. Right. We don't see as much in PTSD. And concussions can show up in so many different ways. You might know the article off the top of your head where there are different concussion types. Right. And so some vestibular, some more ocular, we have like more anxiety, mental health related. I can't remember all those little wedges. I think there's six. Yes. And depending on the article, but what's the other one? Oh, autonomic inflammation, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then, but definitely psychological anxiety, depression Mm -hmm. is a huge one. Yeah. So can you tease that out? I would say it's part of the diagnosis. I would say it's part of the problem. And to what extent for that particular person, it depends on that person, how they showed up kind of psychologically before the injury. So we do know that folks that had trauma or anxiety, depression, pre-injury are more likely to have those problems with their injury, or they might be intensified, might develop into a new way. But I certainly have had the experience of working with many survivors who say, I've never had anxiety before, now I have anxiety. What is this? This is crazy. Like what's (laughs) happening? Like, I don't know what this is. And, you know, for someone who hasn't been injured and has struggled with anxiety, I, you know, I'm like, welcome to my world. (laughs) You know, I know what this is. There's ways we can treat this. It's okay. Uh, But I think for someone who hadn't experienced that before their injury, it can be definitely unmooring because they felt like I was really in control before, or I kind of knew how to navigate the world. And now I'm dealing with my body and my brain telling me things that they're things are dangerous and they're not dangerous. And, And what do I do with that? So it, it can show up in different ways for people. I don't know if I really answered the question. Yeah, no, but. absolutely. <laughs> and can it be, especially, so there's anxiety, depression, I'm sure other diagnosis as well. And then PTSD, which is kind of its own monster as far as I understand it, 
but correct me if I'm wrong. And when I think of PTSD, I think of like blast induced injuries and many other injuries, Mm -hmm. but um, can it ever go away completely? Yes. Yes. I've seen that happen. So I've seen someone who has, and that's what my quote was about. So heal, trauma healing yes. is really, and I'm going to miss like fumble my quote, but anyway, so, so true healing from trauma is having that memory or that event up. Yes. And there's no physiological disturbance in the body or in the EMDR world, which is one of the modalities I'm trained in for trauma, zero disturbance or your mm. SUD or your subjective unit of disturbance is at a zero when you have that memory. And some people it's a 0.5 or a I call that an ecological zero, like it feel like, hey, I don't know if I'll ever kind of feel like a complete zero. And that's been the case for grief for some folks I've worked with, or in the case of, you know, really difficult traumatic experiences. But to back out to think about trauma in the context of brain injury, I think it's more the perception of threat or Mm -hmm. imminent death. So when did that perception happen? you know could it was it the actual event where they were in this horrible car accident and yeah a lot of people told them you almost died oh my gosh i can't believe that you're okay that's awesome or was it more a fall where you had the perception you were gonna die from this event you hit the back of your head you know it was very traumatic in a lot of ways and then the body reacts like i've worked with people especially you're in a cold climate too but in maine Many concussions I've worked with people on have been a falls on the ice. Yes, absolutely. Especially with an older population here in my state. So that's more the bulk of TBIs that I see in my area. Certainly I see younger kiddos or not kiddos, well, kiddos, yes, teens, young adults who've had a sports-related concussion, mm-hmm. but a lot of falls on the ice because you know the large proportion of concussion are going to be falls. So Absolutely. So, and they, like, I had a couple of people where ice or a perception of a slick surface has caused a traumatic reaction. Like, I can't do that. Like, I can't even go outside in the ice because I might fall again, which is legitimate. Absolutely. I mean, so your body's telling you, you hurt yourself really, really badly. We've struggled with symptoms for months or years, and you're going to go do that again? No. So your body is giving that information that I don't want to go in that situation again. It's protective. And it makes sense to me while you're having an anxious reaction or your body's having all this physiological distress around that. So I think it's more normalizing that your body's doing what it's supposed to do. Right. It wants to keep you safe. It doesn't want you to be in pain. It doesn't want you to have symptoms again. And I think part of that is going through that part of it, that part of like not saying, oh, you're okay. Just keep going. Right. Yes. What society will do. We'll smooth that over. Like, ah, you know, it's icy, but you're okay. Yeah, absolutely. Really sitting with them. Yeah. Like that's legitimate. I get that. And your brain just wants to keep you safe, essentially, Mm -hmm. right? Safe from predators, but we don't really have animal predators anymore. So it's safe from our environment, right? Yeah. And do you see, so you touched a little bit on um, different age groups I know from the like physical rehab perspective, we see sex-based differences. Do you um, see that in terms of how trauma presents itself or maybe approaches to therapy? Mm-hmm. Like gender-wise or? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of the research. So I I know the research says women tend to struggle more with yeah. related, related to concussion. So if you if we know that fact is true, and I don't have the literature or study right here regarding PTSD in the context of brain injury, because there's really not that many studies regarding right. that. Oh, there should be. You can do that as your post post dog training. <laughs> I know, I know. There, I'm sure there's some literature out there, so I don't want to no misquote problem. some literature that I don't. I'm just not that is not top of mind, but certainly that'd be great to dig into. Yeah, but you know, I think that women certainly struggle more with anxiety and depression and mental health symptoms post concussion more than men. And is that because there's more women that are struggling with post concussion, right? Concussion, whatever we're calling it now. What is what are we calling it now? I know. So I think the latest is persistent post-concussive symptoms, but I could be wrong because the ever-changing acronyms. I know. And and that's even a whole nother discussion with yes. what are we calling it? Oh my gosh. The whole what discussion. is the and yes, what is the diagnostic diagnose diagnostic? Yes, criteria again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, it actually is interesting around gender sex-based differences, because is it also who is seeking care that is influencing? And women are more likely to right? seek care for psychological complaints, which I know hundred percent is true. Yes. <laughs> um, what else did I want to ask you about? Um, I think we covered that, but um, what I want to ask you about is the EMDR, which is a part of your practice. And I know some of my patients have found EMDR extremely helpful uh, for the trauma related to their concussion or other mm-hmm. injury. Would you explain a little bit about how that works, how, sure. what it looks like? And also, because you do see people up across the, the USA virtually is there a, you know a modified approach that can be done virtually or it can be done virtually it can be yes 100 okay that's, it. that's an easy question to answer okay so yeah i can dive into that so emdr is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy so that or that's a lot of psycho bagball to say it's an evidence-based trauma therapy so the evidence-based trauma therapies really have similar goals. So EMDR is one, cognitive processing is another one, and prolonged exposure. Hmm. So the great thing about EMDR is it's really more body-based. So it's more about, you know, kind of looking at the somatic reactions that you're having. And for me as a mental health clinician, it's been probably the most transformative training that I've attended And also as a client, you know, also being a client in EMDR and working through my own stuff, it really has been one of those more transformative experiences that I've had therapeutically. And why I think it's great for brain injuries, because we know there's nervous system dysregulation after a concussion or a brain injury, and it really addresses that. So it has eight different phases or eight different steps to EMDR. And so part of it is looking at targets. So the first phase is really looking at what are the targets or memories? That's another word. So in EMDR language, it's targets. But what are those different memories that might trigger that uh, physiological response or that nervous system dysregulation? So let's just, I was talking about falling the ice. So let's take that example. So maybe, so in EMDR, there's the three-pronged protocol. We go 
first worst most or sorry three prongs is past present future like ghosts of okay. christmas past present future or <laughs> during christmas weeks <laughs> yes yes <laughs> i almost wore my christmas hat i forgot to put it on <laughs> But if you think about, you know, we have we have anxiety or we have difficult experiences that are rooted in the past that show up in the present and that we worry yes. about in the future. So for that example of falling, we would start with the first. Maybe it was their fall on the ice that resulted in that concussion. Then we might go with the most recent where they kind of slipped on the ice as they were walking out of their door. They didn't fall. And then the future, thinking about what are future events where it's right. icy and I might have to walk on that ice. So those are the different types of memories that we would focus on. And then we do resourcing. So resourcing really looks like a lot of things. So we start with relaxation training, a lot of things people know about. Deep breathing, progressive muscle relaxation, and I can define any of those if you have questions on those. But if you think the audience probably knows what those things are, then we can go with that. Uh, grounding skills. So really, you know, using the five senses and feeling like you're back in your body. That's my definition of grounding okay. that in a lot of different techniques you might've seen on the internet, like the five, four, three, two, one technique. Oh, or yes, that's right. Taking five things I see, you know, using your, yes, five, can, I, you, I can, can you, can mm -hmm. you um, explain the five, four, three, two, one, just in case the audience doesn't know. Yeah. So it's a simple, but one of the most valuable techniques my clients have told me that I found, and it wasn't through formal training, it was like finding it on the internet, right. <laughs> but I'm like, I really like that. And that, that dovetails really nicely. And it is in actually my EMDR manual, but I was using it before that. So five things. So look around your room right now. You can do this right now. Even if you're driving, you can do this. So what are five things that you see? So you look around and identify five things you didn't see before that you notice. And it's always something you notice differently. Like I have a, a Cinco de Mayo hat in the corner <laughs> Amazing. that I used to wear when fitness, I, I used to teach fitness classes pre-pandemic. I'll get back to that one day. <laughs> so sidebar. So then we'll take four things that you hear. Usually we'll hear something because I have earbuds and I'm hearing like staticky stuff right. or whatever. Yes. So three things that you hear, four things you hear, sorry. Three things you can touch. I might be going out of order, but it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. So try to touch different surfaces. A lot of my clients will okay. actually use different things that they can touch that have different textures. So I just, um, you know, have something shiny here right. that I'm kind of, it feels smooth. Uh, you could pick up objects in nature that are really helpful that actually help bring the sensory in. So that can be helpful. And so we did touch and now we need to do smell. So I always have my trauma clients have something they could smell if they're virtual, like a candle or a lotion, or even if you don't like fragrances, you could do orange peel mm, or you can do yes. something natural that if you're not into fragrances or you have sensitivity, I do have sensitivity to that. So I'm more mindful of using something natural pine bags or something really cool in the Northeast. We use a lot of those pine bags to put in our drawers. So that can be if you like balsam. That could be something lavender bags. People do essential oils. People love to do essential oils as well. And then taste. So one thing mm. you can taste. So I usually have some kind of mint in my office for someone to pop in if they, especially if something their experience is related to that, uh, the sense of taste. Like when I was injured, I had blood, the taste of blood in my mouth and that's kind of triggering them. I might say, hey, go ahead and pop in this mint or this strawberry candy 
just to have that different experience where you're holding that memory up what we're processing. So it's good to think of the senses and how we might want to reorient the brain back to a more adaptive place from that traumatic experience or that traumatic memory. So grounding. So I talked to John grounding. And then we do a multi-sensory resourcing activity. Again, we're bringing in the five senses. We'll do a calm place exercise. So a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. What is my complex lately? My complex has changed over the years, but I might do, I've used my backyard a number of times. So I, I'd bring in a calm place exercise and I have people think through their senses. What okay. are you seeing? What are you hearing? So you don't actually need to be in that place, but you're envisioning it. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're envisioning that place and you're bringing up those, all those senses for them. And then they, they breathe in and out. And then where do you feel that really relaxation in your body? So then we're localizing that feeling of look of relaxation to their body. So they might say, Oh, I feel lightness in my face. Okay. Notice that. And then we'll go in and we'll do bilateral. I use the bilateral stimulation through that. So that's one of the things in EMDR. Okay. Yeah. So I can talk about that too. So there's different types of bilateral stim that we use. So do you, I know what that is. I wasn't sure if you wanted to um, give an example, maybe. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's pretty easy. <laughs> So one of those ways is doing side to side eye movements. Oh, my favorite. Yeah. Which can be <laughs> helpful in retraining, right? 
but some of my clients with concussion that just sends them into like, I, whoa, I can't do that. So we have other choices. And for, for a lot of reasons, I've used other forms of bilateral. I've had clients with visual disability that can't see my, I, that can't see my hand. Okay. Right. So we can use tapping. So literally I have them kind of do a shoulder cross taps and they'll tap kind of shoulder to shoulder while they're, while they're noticing that. Okay. I've also have like TheraTappers. It's called a TheraTapper. It buzzes. It's like a little cell phone buzzing in your hand. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so the developer of the model, Francine Shapiro, figured out, so it was kind of, she had her own trauma and she found that walking or bilateral movements were helpful in processing that trauma. So she was walking and processing on her own. And she found that was helpful in, in the relief of that memory. So EMDR has studied a number of ways. They have settled on the research right now is that eye movements help memories clear more quickly. Okay. And the fastest doesn't mean that's the only thing that we can use, especially for my concussion folks that might be triggered by, you know, the, the speed we need to go at with those eye movements to help that visual mem- to help that memory clear. We can use tapping or tones. So you can do auditory as well. Oh yeah. 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 So I guess when you're working with someone, I guess like with anything, there are the general, there's the, your big toolbox, and then you select appropriate for the patient and how much they can tolerate. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's good for people who've had a brain injury to know that if you've done eye movements and that didn't work for you, or it made you have right. a headache, you That's can okay. use something you could suggest yes. to your therapist who may not know they're triggering you. Yes. Yes. Communication form. is important, right? Because a lot of therapists aren't trained in burn injury. So that's yes. what I find that they kind of bump up against that. Okay. So oh, that's helpful. So that's kind of the resourcing. There's, there's other things that I do, but I, I don't want to get too much in the minutia. I'll give you a cut. Of sure. a no, that's re- very informative. Absolutely. More than I knew about it. So, and I think our, our resourcing or our relaxation training is it's different because it's a multi-sensory relaxation training. So that's how EMDR is different is that we're really trying to bring the body in every time to all okay. the exercises. Like where are we noticing that relaxation in the body? Because especially for my concussion folks, their body, there's a lot of sensations that aren't pleasant. And so they may not be able to notice pleasant sensations anymore. So it's kind of a training for how to notice those easy or pleasant sensations. Sometimes I just go with neutral. Is there any place in the body that's neutral? Because sometimes they'll tell me nothing feels good in my whole body. Okay. Is there any place you don't have pain? Oh, okay. There's this little spot right here. All right. Notice that. And then we'll breathe into that. What do you notice now? Okay. It got a little bigger. Like that spot got a little bigger where it feels a little more warm or kind of good. So it's interesting. That's really beautiful. Actually. I love it. It's, um, I mean, I usually talk about celebrating the wins, but this is like the other side of it, which is like recognizing the calm or the, mm-hmm. yeah, the warmth and gently expanding on it, which I don't know, it's just so empowering, I feel like, because yeah. we do have the healing power within, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially. And our body tell, she can show us the way, which is yes. really cool. Oh, I love that. Um, and I always think of myself and you know, practitioners like yourself were the facilitators, right? Mm -hmm. Just bringing out the healing in the patient. 
Yeah, I'm learning from them. Yes. Their body's the compass. And I'm just trying to figure out how can you listen to that compass again? Because especially with brain injury. Yes. It feels like your compass isn't working anymore. You can't trust it or it doesn't know anything anymore. Like it's broken. Yes, (laughs) but it's it's not broken. (laughs) It's not. It's not. So it's figuring out how do we find that that it does know what to do and does know how to help me relax. I just have to listen a little bit differently. And so when someone comes into your office or connects with you virtually, what is your process usually? And uh, this might be hard to answer, but in terms of time, of course, some people need a you may be for a year and others six weeks, but is there is um is there something you start with? Yeah, I think I definitely start with nervous system regulation, doing kind of the the basic relaxation training. I mean, okay. basic breathing skills, and then doing more multi. I love that the foundation, right? Yeah. So nervous, and so I really honestly start if I go back before that breathing skills and all that stuff <laughs> is really thinking about like my four pillars of brain health. You know, where most people will do, you know, how is your sleep? Right. Your nutrition, movement, because especially with this population, we know the psychological literature is rich with evidence that movement is is especially important for mental health. So I think we're just finding out in all of our different disciplines that movement is really, really important. And also the fourth pillar, which we sometimes ignore, is belonging. So. Oh, yes which is very much impaired and it's important to brain health and we're in linked to mortality. So, you know, there was, I actually usually have it right up on my desktop. Of course I have that. I have the doc. I don't have the, um, the research article, but I can get you that later. But there was this, this huge research study they did on mortality and they looked at social relationships and complex measures, measures of social integration, as well as like high and low social support. And then looked at other factors based on mortality, like smoking, uh, 15 cigarettes a day, okay. quitting, wow. quit, quitting <laughs> or drinking more than six drinks a day, getting the flu vaccine, cardiac rehabilitation, physical activity, BMI, drug treatment, like for uh, hypertension and air pollution. What do you think was more highly oh linked my to, to mortality? I know that's a trick question and <laughs> it must be belonging. Yeah, it was those measures right? of social relationships. Oh my gosh. So out of everything. We're social beings, right? At the end of the beings. day. And what do we know what happens to us socially like after, what have you seen maybe as a or even Yes, I was gonna say after retirement, right? Often people decline once they lose their social connections and sense of purpose. But yes, the isolation in brain injury is is huge, right? 100%. And just contributes to feelings of hopelessness and symptom exacerbation. So Mm. I definitely see that. Yeah. So even um, changes in family dynamics that happen. Right. Like they complete changes in social structures or mm-hmm. family. Uh, you know, I heard this talk, uh, David Crumbles, he founded a center here, just in, New, I don't know if you know of him. I do. Ham- so in New Hampshire, I actually went to visit there. It's, it's just a beautiful place. I just, 
I'm going to have someone who goes there on my program. So I think I was just struck with how his life was so full before his injury. Like he had all these things going and there was this moment where he had nothing in his cupboards, no food. And he had no one to call. He's like, I don't know who I call. Oh my goodness. And he was just like, and he, he's just, like, I was alone. And I, I, I will remember that talk, I think for the rest of my life, because it's just so striking how this injury, these types of injuries can cause that type of situation. I mean, it's, it just brings me to sadness. And when I think of it, that as a society, we can't take better care of our people. Speaking more absolutely America here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the people are struggling with such great degrees of social isolation that we really need to address this issue. I think every practitioner, every person in a brain, in, a brain injured person's life that they they're feeling alone, likely can just assume that. Yeah, absolutely. And even, oh my gosh, well, with, in Ontario, we were locked up like more than anyone. But how isolating was that for people who have very little screen sensitivity, right? Like yeah. everything was put on screens. Was, thankfully, now things are opening up. We, I'm not sure how it is in Maine, but we do have a lot of great um, support groups here for brain injury survivors and okay. some yeah, that are free. Some. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do too. Yeah. I think it's hard for someone who, you know, there's just, I think more public education needs to happen. Because yes. I was about of, to say that you need the people get injured and then they're like, yes, where do I go? What do I do? Yes. And so part of my, I think my role in that belonging piece is helping them get more connected to the brain injury community or to other communities that were important to them before. Um, so if yes. someone was in a faith community and then they got, became really isolated and that's going to help them, you know, really getting them connected back with that faith community. Or um, if it's a veteran, maybe trying to get a veteran yes. connected to a veteran organization, for example, but just thinking like, how can I get this person connected? Because it's great to teach someone skills yes. and all the jazz. Yes. But if they're, if they don't have people that know them and really understand what they're going through, I think it's going to be pretty hard. It's going to be a hard go. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I totally kind of see agree. that almost my primary role is to really think of that piece. Not that I'm not thinking of the other pieces because they're super important, but I know how important that, that, that piece is. Yeah, I totally agree. And so you know, we said it's the holiday season and the season can be difficult, well, no matter what for some people, but especially if you're, you're struggling, recovering from an injury, do you have any um, tips or strategies you've been sharing with your clients around, I don't want to say surviving, thriving over the holidays, whether mm -hmm. it's pacing or what, um, what have you been recommending? Yeah, I mean, actually, I, I have a piece that I'm gonna. It's gonna come out this week on in my podcast on Friday, so I don't know when this is gonna come out. So, who knows if it'll be? I'm hoping this week, so we can piggyback off of each other. I'll oh, definitely share your episode. Okay, so listen to my podcast. It's coming out on Friday because it's all about uh, grief and joy in the holiday season. So. I think I'll dive more into that, but I can briefly share that, of course, the holiday season is really difficult because we feel like we should be in this place of 
intense belonging or we should have this idyllic experience that people have during the holidays that we see on postcards or we like even postcards anymore like um a commercial or you know those experiences that we think we should have right so you layer on top of the brain injury where i was this person before and now i'm this person that has a brain injury and maybe i'm not working or maybe i don't have a relationship and so I'm talking about a little bit about the grief associated during the holiday time because it becomes more apparent because it's the end of the year. And I think we kind of take stock of who we are and what we've done yes. and it all kind of coalesces into this time period. So I think really being having boundaries on your time is important. So how much time can I spend at the holiday gathering if I have a holiday gathering to attend? I'm not going to do eight hours. Maybe I'll do two hours this year. Is there a place where you can go where there's less kind of sensory stuff happening in your environment? Like there's a bedroom you could kind of lay down in for an hour or so. So thinking about pacing, thinking about breaks, thinking about what you think you actually can manage energetically during the holiday holiday season is important. That might mean you can't buy a bunch of gifts this year, either financially or energetically that's just not something that you can do and then communicating that to your family members to say you know this is just not something that i can do and trying to have more boundaries around your time and your energy because having that crash where you're paying kind of paying for it quote unquote for days or weeks after the holidays is really hard so that's more in like energy management but i think that dovetails with your emotional management of the holidays because those experiences maybe it's aunt gertrude asking you are you gonna do you have a boyfriend yet oh my gosh yes <laughs> why are you married and sometimes in therapy i would help rehearse with my clients like how okay she's gonna say this how are we how do you think you can best handle that yes. situation so kind of coach yourself through that that situation i don't think gertrude's gonna change right she's who she is <laughs> yes. right but you can be realistic and say you know it's not really a question i'm comfortable answering something like that, which is putting a boundary around, like, you don't really get to ask about my intimate life, by the way. (laughs) It's true, right? (laughs) And also, that's actually great, because it sets the boundary. And it's unlikely that question will be asked again after the boundary is set up. Right, right. So you're, you're speaking your truth, and you're also setting the boundary in that parameter. And there might be other things like, oh, well, what are you doing now? Oh, you must have all, oh, it must be nice to have all this oh free time in your recovery. Yes. Like, that's great. And they just don't get it. So I think preparing for those questions of people who are really ignorant yes. about brain injury recovery that like, yes, I would love to be working and working out and doing all the things I used to do, but that's not my reality. So having some, some answers, sometimes you're just going to say like, yeah, okay. Like you might yes. just need to not Excuse get into yourself. Yes. With some people just say like, you know, I really can't talk up, talk right now or, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get a cookie. Yes. Get to catch you later. <laughs> that can be a choice. Or sometimes Absolutely. you might choose if it's someone you want to put that boundary up with and say like, Hey, yeah, I, I get that. That could seem that it would be great to have all this free time, but actually I'm really struggling right now. And those kind of questions aren't very helpful. That's a harder one, but you might yes. make that choice with someone who might you might see more often. 
Like if yeah, it's and a close family maybe member. Someone you feel will be responsive to that, like an ally who might end up being an ally, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to be helpful. And I think we yes. always have to think about they mean they kind of need help to be helpful sometimes. We might need to show them the path yes. to be helpful. Yes. Because they not everyone is trying to um, make things difficult. No, <laughs> just, just Aunt Gertrude. Just <laughs> Aunt Gertrude, but you know you yeah. can't help her. There's right. always that one person in your family, like yes, you're just, yes, you can't even help it. They don't. <laughs> just who they are. And so, what? Um, just you know, I know we need to wrap this up, but I sure. want to know what you have. So, leading into 2023, do you have something you do? You know, some people do New Year's resolutions or have a goal for next year. Is there anything you are a routine or a ritual you have? And then, what can we look forward to from you in 2023? Yes. So, actually, I just got this thing in the mail today. So, I'm very excited about. It's called a best today planner and I don't even have an affiliation with them. So it's not okay. like I'm selling anything. Right. Like I, it's just, it's, if I made a planner, I think I'd make it like this. So, but it's, I think it's the practice of writing down at night, what you're going to do the next day. And then in the morning, kind of setting an intention for your day. So however you want to do that, like I like the way this planner does it. There's other planners or ways you can do that. It can be on a whiteboard. Some of my brain injury clients love just like a whiteboard, like one thing I'm doing tomorrow. So I think just the habit of writing, if it's a whiteboard or a long journal, whatever your your mode is of how you want the next day to go. And then your plan for the day. It's really helpful. So that's what I love that because you said it the night before. So (laughs) kind of, and then you sleep on it and almost, you know, let it sink in instead of starting the morning. Right. And being like, okay, what's my feeling of the day? I like that. You're planting the seed the night before. Yes. And maybe taking care of yourself. I'd like to think about, okay, what does future Jen need tomorrow? Okay. I'm going to set my coffee up for myself. I'm going to pack my kids' bags. I have two boys that are are school age. So I get my boys to pack their bags. So I'm trying to model some of this stuff for them. So our morning isn't as hectic and we have a little bit of more space in the morning. So any, anything that I, when I'm trying to take care of my future self, I'm going to do those things if I can. So that's what I'm excited about personally, Amazing. putting into place. I love it. Yeah. And your podcast will continue <clears throat> to grow. Yeah. So I've enjoyed, you know, I've, I've been doing it a year now, which is kind oh of crazy gosh. that it's been going, Yeah. That it's been, it's going on a year. So I'm going to continue the podcast. My hope is to continue to have survivors. So if you're a survivor and you want to tell your story, you think that other people need to hear it, then I encourage you to reach out to me. I'm open to that. Even if you don't have like a following or I think there's a lot of stories uh, that need to be told. And I love, you know, I, I just listened back to one of my podcast episodes on this couple from Maine. They don't have a book or they haven't been on a podcast, but they just told their story about um, the wife told the story because the husband had um, significant speech difficulties and he hiked the Appalachian Trail by himself. Wow. Oh my gosh. I know. So I, I'd love to figure out where they are and try to get them on the podcast, but it was just this great story that was so inspiring. So other people I think can can gain from your experiences. So absolutely. Cool. Uh, so I, I'm kind of in the, in the new year, I'm hoping to add more coaching 
Amazing. Folks with brain injury or for other leaders, uh, professionals. And you well. are um, TBI therapist on Instagram. Correct. So they can find people can find you there, follow you there. And that is the name of your podcast as well. Yes. And then is your website tbitherapist.com? It is. Oh, perfect. I love that. <laughs> Consistency makes it easy for everyone. Perfect. So definitely I, everyone should reach out on Instagram, listen to the podcast. And if you want to connect with Jen, um, yeah, visit you can those send spaces. A, yeah, or... send me a DM on Instagram if you know, you're um, wanting to be on the podcast. I think that's kind of the easiest way there. Uh, and I think if you want coaching, I'm leaning the more website? into that next year. Yeah, okay. certainly the website would be best for that. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being on here. Is there any uh, last words you want to add in before we wrap it up? Yeah, I would just say that to never give up. That's one of our mottos in brain injury to never, 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 never give up. And that tomorrow can be different. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that. And I wish you a happy holidays. Do you celebrate Christmas? I do celebrate Christmas. So yes. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And I am sure we will connect again soon. I'm sure we will. I'm excited. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jen. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.